Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who walked into the Crack House today, judging by how cold it was with the socks he was wearing with his flip flops. <laughs> it's Dale. No, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> now I do have on some shorts, and it is cold, but I got on my my toboggan. So you never wore socks with your flip flops? Uh, I ain't saying I never have, <laughs> but I'm not doing it today. You've never been drunk enough to do it. <laughs> You just got to cram your toe, you know, you sock up between your toe for you put them on. <laughs> I don't wear flip-flops anyway. So. That's a massive uh, fashion statement. I guess. Somewhere. Yeah. Thong toe gimmicks from way back in the day. God almighty. <laughs> now, what's going on today, dude? Oh, same old, same old. That's it. Yeah, you know, not really, but that's yeah, just, to say, that's just yeah. a thing to say, right? It's just a thing to say when we do a podcast. Yeah. You got any shout-outs for us, man? Oh, yeah. I got one. I would like to give a shout-out to... Uh, G mods, G M O D Z. Uh, we really appreciate the five star and the uh, fantastic uh, review you gave us on uh, Apple Podcast. That is very nice, and man, we appreciate it. Absolutely. I don't know your name, or I'd give you a full shout out, but G mods, that's all I know. And want to thank whoever has been ordering some t shirts off the website. Yeah, we that's awesome. Appreciate that whole yeah. bunch. And man, you guys have been downloading the piss out of some stuff. Me, or it's just thrilled. Yep. And you know who you are, so we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And go on to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Yep. While you're listening, just go down there and click that five-star. Yeah, it really helps us out. It really, really does. It does. Like I said, check out the website, get you a T-shirt, get you a mug, sticker, something to represent the crack house. Yeah. Share, 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 share like. That's it. All right, bud, we're going to get into our episode this week, man. Oh, let's do it. All right, we've got uh, somewhat of a story from the South. Somewhat. Somewhat. Well, it is from the South. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it ain't somewhat. It is from the South. It's from the state of Georgia. It's right down yonder. Yeah. Yeah, down that way, <laughs> down the road. But it's from the state of Georgia. That's right. Yep. And the town of Cumming, Georgia. And this is the case of Patrice Tambor Endress. Yes. And this episode we're doing is based on the new reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. And it's uh, episode number two. Yeah, season one. Yep. I got a little bit of information, but there's not a lot on this chick. She There's not a lot of her past information out there. Right. But I do know that she was born on November 28th, 1965 in Ohio. Hmm. And no clue how she ended up in Georgia or anything like that. Right. But she was a hairdresser. Yes, she was. Yes. And she disappeared from her salon in Cumming, Georgia on April the 15th, 2004, between 11.37 and 11.50 a.m. And we're going to get into her case and talk about what we think happened and some of the details. Yep. And we got questions. And, but she had a son from a previous marriage, and her previous husband, his name was Don Black, and they had a son together. His name was Delvis Wade Black, but he didn't go by that name. He went by Pistol. Okay. Yeah, that's a good name. That's a cool name. It's a very cool name. I don't know how you go from Delvis Wade to Pistol, but yeah, I don't know how. Anyway, I'll just keep my mouth shut on that mm-hmm. Yeah. A, I've never heard of the name Delvis, and I had to look it up. Yeah. And it's not like my name and Elvis crammed together. It's no. Delves like a elf. Elves with a D in the front. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would come up with that name. Delves. Maybe it's an old family name. Yeah, D-E-L-V-E-S. I mean, that's not one you just make up. It has to be a family name. We'll go with that. Yeah, I think you said that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Right. Like we said, Patrice was a hairdresser. She was. And she was working in a salon that she was renting a booth from. When she first started, that's what she had wanted to do for a long time. Right. Now she had a pretty wild, well, I don't know, with a pretty wild background, but she had a slightly wild just background. She was an exotic dancer at one time, but I think when uh, she had her son, she really changed her ways and buckled down and become a hairdresser because that's something she had always wanted to do. So she went to school and got licensed and started snipping. Mm-hmm. Yep. And pistol, her son was her world, man. That's why, yeah, she got out of the uh, exotic dancing and got into the. World, world yeah. of hair yeah the world of hair hairdressing yeah yeah but her and her first husband split up and i don't i've never been able to find why they split up no there's not much information before no that i could find either no but everything i've read and even heard on patrice and her son pistol they were mother and son but they were best friends also yeah they're inseparable they were tight very and you know when she had him she would go to all his games Whatever he had. Yep. Always there. Yeah, she he was didn't there. miss anything. Yeah, she was there for him. And she met her second husband, Rob. Rob Endress. He came into the salon there where she was working, that she was renting the booth at, uh, to cut his hair one day. And they just struck up a relationship pretty much on the after that. Yeah, I guess so. And he's like 20 years older than her. Right? Yeah, she was. She was a 30. He was 50. Yeah. Like 20 years older, 20 years her senior. And seeing his pictures, I don't really realize why he was stopping at this long his haircut. No, he had like a force shoe around the back of his head. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a little off the back. <laughs> Wait, I wish we had this thing. Yeah. That's pretty good. He was actually taller than his hair. He outgrew it. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. God, we got awful jokes today. Uh, yeah, but we got a lot more to say about Rob <laughs> later on, but yeah. Yeah. Keeping it light, keeping it light. Keeping it light, yeah. But they developed a relationship, and he made it to where she could get out on her own because I think that's what she was wanting to do anyway. Well, I think so, too. Yeah, that was her dream to have her own place, and uh, when they got together, and him and her, they made it. I think they, they really made it happen together, but he was a big part of it. Got her a building and got her started. Yep. And, Dale, the name of her new business was Tambor's Trim and Tan. Yep. Trim and Tan. Yep. Good name. And that's, like I said, that's something she always wanted to do. Yep. And uh, she had built up a pretty good clientele, you know, when she was working at the other place. So she was really successful right off the bat. Yeah. You know. And she would often do some hairstyles on pistol. Yeah. He said when he was smaller that he always had different hairstyles, different colors. Mohawks. She was always doing, yeah, anything and everything. And he would just let her do whatever he wanted, she wanted to do to him. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, to fix his hair. It was like, almost like every week. And like we said, Pistol and his mom, they had a great relationship. And he even said that every morning she would wake him up by running on a treadmill. Yeah. And that's what she even did on April the 15th, 2004, the day she disappeared. Right. And Dale, that morning, as they were, I guess, trying to get out of the house to get him to school and so she could get to work, 
they had a little bit of an argument. Yeah, he had seemed like he had a, he was dating this girl at school and he wanted to get there early so he could have time to talk to her a little bit. Before I remember class. them days. Yeah, so you're like, let's go, let's go, you know. Yeah, and I think he had a little bit of an argument, but yeah. but she did drop him off and they did tell each other they loved each other before they parted ways. Yeah, just like every day. Yep, and he even said that was the last time he ever talked to her. Now, later that morning, Pistol was in biology class when a school resource officer came in and took him to the office. Mm-hmm. And he asked him if he had spoken to his mother, and which he replied, you know, he hadn't. Yeah, right. And asked him if he could, there was any way he could get in touch with her. And he called her on his cell phone, but she didn't answer. Right. And normally if she didn't answer, she would call him back right away because she might have been working with a customer or something. So, But when it, she saw it was him, she immediately would just drop what she's doing and call him back. Especially from, you know, come calling from school. Right. But he called three times and got no answer. And Pistol knew something wasn't right. Right. Now, one of Patrice's friends, her name was Ann McDonald, they met several years before Patrice vanished. And she was one of her walk-ins at the salon. And the first time they ever met, they pretty much hit it off and become good friends after that deal. And since the salon was close to Ann's house, her and Patrice would hang out there. Right. You know, she just even just stopped by just to see her just to hang out yeah yep and she remembered when she visited patrice the the night before she disappeared and she even remembered patrice saying woman are you gonna be back here tomorrow yeah i think she always called her woman yeah (laughs) and ann responded that you know she would be back there and but normally ann would call patrice on her cell phone and on the day of her disappearance her calls went straight to voicemail which was which was odd always odd yeah now by the time Anne arrived at the salon. There were police cars surrounded, and police had received a 911 call from a customer who had arrived at the salon and found it empty. Yep. And when officers arrived there, they found the cash register was open and money was missing from the drawer. Her purse and car keys were laying on the counter, and it appeared that she was about to warm up her lunch. Yeah, it was over next to the microwave. Yep. But the rest of the shop was just undisturbed it was just neat right like she kept her shop it wasn't no sign of a struggle or you know overturned furniture or anything like that it was just like she just walked out the door yeah and i think his uh this 911 call was around noon yeah on the day yeah police officers they took pistol to the salon and there he learned from the detectives that his mom was missing and he just thought she just you know just left and you know, would be back. Right. He didn't. He, he didn't have any idea. Now Rob was contacted at work around two p.m. that day. Yes. And told was told that she was missing. And he said he was hoping she was okay. And when he arrived at the salon, detectives told him they planned to interview him. Yeah. Now he had a degree in criminal justice. Yes. But he also, he didn't have a, a job in criminal justice. No, he was a maintenance supervisor, and I do not know where he worked. Yeah. I haven't found that but, information. But he, knew the, he knew the procedure of what was going to happen to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He really stated that he had a criminal justice degree. Yeah, he basically said, you know, I know how this works. They didn't put the bracelets on me, but I knew they had to interview me, and that's how it goes. So he already knew how, how everything works. Oh, yeah. And he's pretty smug about it, I thought. Mm-hmm. Now, investigators noted they were initially were unsure whether or not Patrice was a victim of kidnapping and there was nothing in and around the salon that indicated the crime had occurred. And the only thing that was out of place was her 
black Chevy Tahoe. Right. Now, she usually parked that. We're going to post pictures of this. Yeah. But she usually parked that Tahoe. She backed it in beside the salon. Yes. Yeah, and if you're sitting in the road looking at the salon, she always parked on the left-hand side of the building. So when she got out of the driver's, you could walk right over and go in the door. It's like a little service door on the side. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's the way she parked. Yeah. But they noticed that her Chevy Tahoe wasn't parked in the same place. It was parked in front of the salon facing a westward direction. Yeah, it's kind of at an angle. It's kind of weird. And the tires were turned. And, yeah, so it, they said it was just weird for her to be parked like that. Yeah, well, it didn't really make a lot of sense. And it wasn't known if she or someone else had moved her Tahoe there. And one theory was that somebody had convinced her that her car needed to be jumped. Yeah, and I call bullshit on that angle. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. It was in the episode of uh, in research that maybe somebody pulled into the parking lot and come out and ask her if they could come and jumped her car off. Yeah. Now, to me, that don't make a damn bit of sense. If your car is running to drive into the parking lot, why do you need why to jump? Why do you need to jump? And especially if you know your car has, has a bad battery, it's running, you're not going to yeah, cut it off. Right, so somebody might have uh, could uh, lured her out, but I don't buy this battery jumping off business at all. Mm-hmm. To me, that's just stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that either. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, because I, I just don't, I'm like, if, if, you, if you know your car's that bad, you're not going to cut it off. And it, it didn't make any, it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but Patrice was missing. And they couldn't believe, you know, that she would even leave Pistol behind. Yeah, so they know she didn't run off on her own. No. She's not leaving to go start a new life. She's not. Because she let, everything was there. Her purse, her keys. When the keys laying in, inside. Yeah, so, her keys were laying there and everything. And her lunch. She like Just like she was getting ready to heat up her food and have lunch. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. she just poofs gone. Yep. Now, Dale, about two weeks prior to Patrice's disappearance, she had even told Pistol... If I were to ever go anywhere, where, would you, where go? would you go? Yep. Yeah, and he thought that was odd. And he's like, I don't know, maybe to my dad's. You know, yeah, my dad's house, I guess. It's such a random question. And he recalled that she did not specifically say that, that she was going to leave. But instead, she was bringing up a scenario, what if something happened? Right. And he didn't think of it, you know, anything about it at the time. And really, it might not mean anything now, but. It's just kind of odd. It was kind of a strange question, especially just a couple weeks before all this happened. She went missing. Yes. Early into the investigation, the investigators built a timeline to determine what had happened the morning of Patrice's disappearance. Mm-hmm. And she had some customers in her salon the entire morning. And based on her appointment book, they were able to determine who was there. Yep. Now, the first client, her name was Pam Shepard. And she got to the salon about 8.50 a.m. Right. For her 9 a.m. appointment. So she was just a few minutes early. Mm. And, but she... Well, early is on time, and on time is late, Donnie. This is true. <laughs> if you're going to be anything, be on time. That's right. Now, she recalled that Patrice seemed a little distracted and wasn't very attentive to her. Yeah, a little distant. Because everybody, everybody they talked to and everybody that I've seen said that she was a real bubbly person. She really liked to talk and chat you up, make you feel important. You know, come up, give you hugs. She was just mm-hmm. real, that real friendly person. Yeah. Which is, you know, pretty good for but, the job she's in. So, But she said that morning she wasn't. Something was off. Her very, she was very distracted. Yeah, distant. Yep. And at 11.05 a.m., Pam left the salon. Now, at 11.10 a.m., Paul Cantor 
I guess, or Paul Cantor, yep. C-A-N-T-O-R, he arrived for a haircut. And he left at 11.27 a.m. So he was in there for 17 minutes getting a haircut. Bzz. Yep. A quick buzz. That was a quick haircut. Yeah, and they said that he got a, got a cell phone call just as he was leaving. So that way they can actually pinpoint exactly the time he was leaving. They just went back and checked his phone records. Yeah, so they were, we they were able to certify that. Right. At 11.35 a.m., a customer had called to change an appointment. And she recalled that Patrice was somewhat short on the phone. Yeah. Which was unusual, like we said, for her. And the call lasted about two minutes. Yep. That puts us about 11.37. Now, based on phone records, the next call came in at 11.50. That does no answer. Yep. Which and, is odd. Yep. And investigators believe that something happened to Patrice inside that 13 minutes. Which is just crazy to me. Yep. 13 minutes. So that's the, that's the title of the episode for Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Now, it, there was two different independent witnesses that about 11.45, they went by and saw a blue car sitting in front, like basically pulled up to the door, up to the door, straight in front of her car, but perpendicular to the road. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. And uh, one one witness said that she thought it was um, a 1992 Lumina. I mean, even given the year, which is kind of weird to me. But it also had the Georgia Wildlife uh, license plate on it. Yeah, the Georgia Quail Life tag. You know, and I was thinking, damn, how how fast or slow was she driving by to get all, all that, you know, especially if you're not looking for something. This is a rural road, too. It's a, it's a two-lane highway. Yeah, a little small two-lane highway. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, that makes a little more sense that they're not just flying through there. But it is kind of odd to me that you pick up all those details when you're not really looking at nothing. And the other, the other witness actually said that they thought it was either a Ford Taurus or a Malibu. But I think you told me earlier that all these cars are really similar. Yeah, if you just pass, passing by, they're the same shape and size. Right. They're yeah, it, it'd be hard if you just really knew your cars. Then you could tell. Yeah. Otherwise, the, it's just a blue car. Exactly. I mean, to most people. And I would have to look a few times to see if it was a Ford or a Chevy. Right. Yep. Now I was wondering. Before we get off track too far, I got a question. I just wondered, did, did they ever cross-reference how many of these type blue cars, I mean, have that tag, or how many cars have that tag? Is it have really the Georgia a, Quail Life? Was it, is that a really popular tag or or not? You know, could, yeah. I'm sure they broke it down, but it, I couldn't see find anything. Yeah, any I don't know if it's a, it. I don't know if that's a popular tag for the Georgia Quail Wildlife tag or not. Right. I do not know. So, but, but Georgia people doesn't know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. The woman that saw the Lumina, her name was Tammy Fincher, and she claimed that she saw two women around the Lumina, a taller, dark-haired lady, presumably Patrice, near the salon's front door, and an older lady on the passenger side. Hmm. And they had hands on each other, and she was not sure if one had tripped and fallen or was pushed over or what, but she was sure it didn't look normal. Right. See, that's a... I don't know. To me, I mean, I'm not saying the lady didn't see what she saw, but that's a whole lot of information to get just driving by. Mm-hmm. Unless they're just scuffling in the gravel, you yep. know? And, and then you're really going to look. Yep. And like you said, the another second witness who thought it was a Ford Taurus. Right. Now, he believed, well, he reported seeing a man with shoulder-length hair standing next to the car. And both, But both witnesses are considered credible because they described essentially the same thing and we're totally independent of each other. So really, both could be right because there could have been a man and a woman. One could have been inside because the the first lady, what was her name? 
Tammy Fincher. She said that the salon door was open. Yeah. So somebody could have been in going through the purse and all that stuff. It, could have been. You know, and taking the money out of the cash register. And they said they did ruffle through her uh, through her purse, but the purse and credit cards all was there, and there was $270 in cash in her purse too, but it was in a hidden compartment, and they didn't find it. Yeah. So it was still there as well. Yeah. So, you know, I guess both – both stories actually could be true. Yep. But Tammy Fincher, she believes she was the last person to see Patrice alive. Mm-hmm. And she feels guilty that she, she didn't, didn't stop. Yeah, she didn't stop and do something. Especially if she if she knew her. Yeah, can you imagine? Mm. Now, people tried to reassure Pistol that his mom was going to come home safe. Right. And he knew that she would never leave him. And he spent hours in the woods just calling her name and hoping that he would find her. Right. Now, something else that that wasn't in the documentary that I found is that uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had reported that uh, Patrice had left a note on Rob's car that morning that said, the best is yet to come. Now, the thing I've seen, they were making a big deal out of it. Maybe it was some kind of divorce, letting him know she was leaving him or something. But to mm-hmm. me, that that's not what it would seem to be to me. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that means anything, but it was it's just another detail. Another thing to, to note, Dale, that... Uh, before Patrice went missing, she had talked to Pistol, her son, about divorcing Rob. Right. Per him. Yeah. That's what he said anyway. Yeah. But now, we, if you talk to Rob, he don't know anything about this. Yeah. In the documentary, Rob, he's completely oblivious to any divorce. Or any was any problems, much less no fighting or anything. Yeah. I mean, they had problems just like any married couple. But as far as divorce, he Rob claims that there was no, nothing mentioned at all. Right. Now, Pistol has... A whole different story. <laughs> yep. Now, Pistol claims that he witnessed Patrice and Rob fighting on several occasions, and and if the fight was about Pistol, Patrice would never back down. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. She's not backing down for him. That's, that's her man. But now, Pistol claims, you know, when they first got married, you know, he was young. Yeah. Uh, that Rob was pretty decent to him, good stepfather. Yeah, he even taking him to football practice and everything else. It looks mm-hmm. like somebody you should do. Stepping up and just... Being a step, being step. that guy, yeah. yeah, being the guy, yeah. But as time went on, things changed. Yeah, he would come by his bedroom and make sarcastic remarks to him, even from his friends and everything. Yeah, turned into more like the stepdad, like the stepfather movie. So you saw that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's more like that. Said, said Rob changed quite a bit. Yeah, he and did not like Pistol, not at all. And Rob was saying that Patrice just didn't discipline him. Right. Said he was out of control. So you got two different stories. About that. Almost completely different. Yep. But now, according to Rob, now he claimed that he was looking forward to spending their whole lives together. Yep. Now, the day after, Patrice went missing. Less than 24 hours. Yes. Less than. (laughs) Yes. Rob changed all the locks on the doors to the house. Yeah. Yeah. And he would not let Pistol... He wouldn't let him in. Wouldn't let him in the house to get his clothes or anything else of his. No. Nothing. Denied access denied and pistol would knock on the doors and windows but rob wouldn't answer Mm-mm. not even to get his stuff no and rob claimed that he did this as a precautionary measure and he's and he said he didn't want pistol in the house because he did not like him yeah but he said that he he tried to play it off as it was a, a precautionary like you say a safety measure he thought he would be more safe if he was staying somewhere else since this just happened. Yeah. And that don't make a damn bit of sense You're outside and not inside, but you're safe right now. Yeah. Good luck on finding somewhere to stay. Exactly. 
And after Patrice vanished, Pistol went to live with his father, Don Black, who had a farm. Yeah. Everything I read, Don and Patrice, now Don was her first husband. They got along pretty good. Yeah, they were still, as uh, Pistol said, they were still best friends. Yeah. But that was it. They talked pretty much daily, but that was it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they got along great. And Pistol even claims that Rob was a little bit a little bit jealous of that. Yeah, he probably was. And even jealous of uh, Pistol and Patrice's relationship of being so close. Yeah, and then if you talk to Rob, then Pistol's jealous of her and Rob's relationship. Yeah. So it's always two different stories. Now, on the day of Patrice's disappearance, Rob was at home. And before he went to work, he got gas in his car. And he had a time-stamped receipt to prove it. Just happened to have one. Yep. And, <laughs> and according to Rob, her hair salon was a 45-minute drive from Woodstock where he was getting gas. Right. He also claimed there was a turnstile at work that recorded what time he came in. Yeah. Furthermore, he claimed that there was no motive for him to kill Patrice because she did not have any life insurance on herself. Yeah. So it's kind of like he was already pre-made with a pre-made alibi. Pretty much. But it, I'm not buying it, man, because uh, the Woodstock, if you look at a map and where is, say, if you're looking at a piece of paper, it would be like at the top right. And then this Woodstock is kind of like a uh, quarter way down on the left. And then where he worked is way down at the bottom on the right. So, and he'd have to come down and go way over there and then back through Atlanta, back around to work. Mm-hmm. So it's like way out of the way. It looks like on a map anyway to to just go get gas unless he's already there for some other reason. But he said he spent most of the day at home. And then he went to there and got gas and went to work. And then he has his little stuff to prove it. But, yeah. But it's really convenient. It is too convenient, really. <laughs> That's the way I, I think. I mean, because. I mean, who's to say that somebody else didn't use his credit card to get right, gas? Right. I mean, just happened to have, oh, I happened to keep that one, you know? Yeah. Because I don't know, I don't know about you, but I hardly ever get receipts. Yep. I mean, because especially now, they always ask you, you no, want your receipt? No. no that's all we always say no. Not unless you're going to tackle me going out the door. I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I just think that was uh, too easy and pre-made. And it's, I mean, I'm not saying the guy done it, but I'm, it's just, there's a whole lot of stuff pointing at him right now. Yep. And according to investigators, Rob was thoroughly investigated, and they created a timeline of his day. And they noted, while his timeline does not eliminate him from being involved, it does greatly reduce the chances that he could have done it. Right. And they also could not eliminate a murder for hire. You know, they never tell what time it was he got to work. No. I mean, yeah, there's a record of what time it was, but they don't tell you what the time was. Exactly. Now, I knew he worked second shift. Mm -hmm. So... Hell, he must have just got to work if it was two or three when he found out. If he, if he works take a shift, it usually starts at two or three. Yep. Now, Rob believed that someone who knew Patrice's routine was involved. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because based on the lack of struggle at the you know at the shop. Right. And he believes that someone she knew, and he also suspects that more than one person may have been involved. Could have been. It could have been. It yeah, it could have been. Somebody who maybe already knew her, her schedule, who saw her books, or, you know, maybe even she didn't um, never schedule anything between 11, 30, and 12. And that could be, too. And just uh, me guessing, because, uh, you know, her lunch was getting, was out and um, was ready to be prepared. 
and then maybe the the time run over a little bit from uh, the haircut and she's getting ready to have lunch and then somebody drops in and then whatever happened Mm -hmm. but maybe somebody knew that she never scheduled anything between 11 30 and 12 yeah but maybe she did i don't know that's just total speculation on my part but if somebody had a chance to look in her her book they would know what was scheduled for today yeah and they also noted that you know beauty salons are rarely targeted for armed robbery yeah i wouldn't because you know there's not much cash on you know on hand right the only thing is that one they uh it was pretty uh pretty known that she's always there by herself yeah except to, for, the, to the locals because i think her her setup was appointments unless there was somebody in there they got there early when somebody was finishing right up. that'd now, be about the only time do you know if that place was ever going over did no, I've never heard anything. Anything about Prince on the cash register or purse? or? I'm sure they processed that place. But it's, it's not mentioned at all. No. Or even you know, her car, you know? Yeah. But, you know, with <laughs> you couldn't pull hair samples from there. No, no, definitely not. That was just, you couldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, oh, you could, but it, it wouldn't help you. No, I mean, everybody's hair is there. Right. But, yeah, it was just something else I was wondering. I, hadn't, I didn't see anything or hear anything about the scene being processed if they could find any latent prints all right dale moving just a little bit up forward in time on december the 6th 2005 this was 20 months after patrice disappeared a guy named elbert clark and some of his friends were working at lebanon baptist church and this was about six miles from patrice's salon right and when they took a snack break on the back steps of the church I think Elbert said some someone had brought him a biscuit that morning. Yeah, he was eating his biscuit. Yeah, he was eating. <laughs> and Elbert noticed some buzzards were flying around in the nearby woods. And he and his friend decided to go over and see what they were interested in. And after finding a dead deer, they noticed a white object nearby, and then they realized it was a human skull. How lucky is that? That's, that's crazy, 600 man. days later to he, the to the day. Yeah, these buzzards there's a deer had died right beside the body mm-hmm. or the remains wasn't the body by this time they said these woods were pretty dense yeah it was what was that it was woods as far as you could walk yeah so i think as it was quote but you know you can only walk halfway into the woods that's right and then you're walking out that's right now <laughs> elbert and his friends they contacted the police and the dawson county sheriff's department contacted investigators in coming and told them of the discovery and the area was extensively searched, and more remains were found. And they were confirmed to be Patrice's. And Pistol was at school the day when he was called to the principal's office. Mm. And Don, his dad, came in and told him their remains had been found. Yeah, I think he said, actually, they called him and said, they found your mom this morning, or the resource officer. Went and got him, and he's like, oh, good. Yeah. And he's like, where's she at? Uh, yeah. It's just, just the remains. <laughs> the remains. According to investigators... It would have been very difficult to carry dead weight over that terrain because they said it was pretty dense, yeah. dense forest. But they did note that it was possible that she walked into that area and it was possible that her body was dragged into that area. Well, it's, you know, it's not a rare thing that killers make them walk in and then they don't walk out. Yeah, but Rob even claims that he claims they use a wheelbarrow. Now, how did he even think of that? Well, that was just uh, something he popped off. He said, how, "How do I know him? Where she? How she got there? Reckon they could have took her in there on a wheelbarrow." Mm-hmm. He says some weird stuff in that. He says a lot. Yeah, if y'all ever get a chance, watch this. Yeah, thirteen De- minutes. Yeah, definitely watch it. 
pistol told police that he believed Rob had something to do with his mom's murder. And he believed that her trying to get a divorce from Rob played a major part in it. Now, they did also discover that Patrice's wedding ring was also missing. Mm -hmm. And it was a one and a half carat pear-shaped diamond with two other 14 carat gold rings attached. And there are some aspects of the investigation that investigators refuse to discuss because they define it what they call as a guilty knowledge information. So if somebody's told them something or mentioned something. Or they know something that only the killer is going to know. Exactly. Right. And and if they they let that out, then somebody can just say they did it. Yep. Yeah. And so they, but they probably don't have enough other information or evidence to. No, to connect anybody else. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Now, when Patrice's remains were taken to the funeral home. Now, Dale, Rob asked the staff at the funeral home to reassemble her and lay her out for him to see. Connect all the bones. To me, that's pretty damn strange. <laughs> yep. It's a pretty strange request. I don't I don't know how often this, this happens. <laughs> and they did. They placed all the bones in the correct anatomical position. And when that was finished, the director brought Rob into the room with the remains. Yeah. And Rob picked up her skull and carried it around for a few minutes. What the hell? Yeah, Rob is a creepy mofo. <laughs> and he put the skull back on the table and kissed her goodbye. Yeah. So that's Rob. That's Rob. Now, Patrice was later cremated, and when her ashes were given to Rob, he kept them in his bed for over a year. Right. Now, he didn't dump them out or nothing. <laughs> like, they were still... He actually never opened the box box. It was just in a cardboard box. Inside of a... Box inside of a cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he makes you have urn, I guess, inside yeah. of a cardboard box. And he just slept with the box. Box and all. Yeah. yeah. In his bed. Yeah. And he described them as his teddy bear. Yes. Because when she was alive, he would do the same thing with her. They would snuggle in bed, and he said it brought back good memories for yeah, him. just thinking about the good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's creepy. It's creepy AF, man. Yeah. You know, I was telling my wife about this, and she goes, well, there's been worse things happen. Like, what are you talking about? She goes, she was watching Strange Addiction one time, and there was a girl in there that actually was eating the ashes of, of her husband or her boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Said that she always carried them around wherever where she went, and one day she fell and got some on her hand, and she licked them off and just started eating them. So <laughs> there's some worse. <laughs> it's pretty strange. That's nasty, man. Well, yeah. But now, Rob, he keeps the ashes of Patrice in a box yep. in the bottom of his closet. He has never shared the ashes with anyone, even Pistol. Especially. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Which is dick move to me. When everything was settled, he got Patrice's cremains, and Pistol he, didn't get anything. You know, poor old Pistol. I mean, he hadn't got anything. No. He didn't give him any of uh, her, uh, um, her belongings or any photos. Or anything. He didn't get nothing. No. And he refuses to give him ashes or, or anything. He just said he was he was really protective of her and she was she was his. Mm-hmm. Now Dale Rob wasn't the only suspect in right. Patrice's disappearance and murder. There were two other serial killers that they had on their radar. Which is kinda weird. Yeah. Now serial killer Jeremy Brian Jones confessed to multiple murders, including Patrice's and that of the Freeman family and Loria Bible. And he said that he went to the salon and pretended that he needed help getting his car jumped, like we had mentioned earlier. So that's I guess that's where the, the theory, theory comes, comes from. Yeah. Right? 
And he said he then pulled a knife out and abducted her. Afterwards, he killed her and dumped her body in the Sweetwater Creek, which was about 40 miles away, I think, when I, I watched the documentary. But they did. They went down to Sweetwater Creek, and they had cadaver dogs, and they had investigators down there, and her body was not found there at all. No. Now, Jeremy Jones, he did later recant this confession and the confession in the Freeman Bible case, and the remains, and their remains were later found in a wooded area near the creek. So I don't know if he was just including that with, you know, to up his numbers or what. Well, you know, and, and it was kind of weird because he said he did know details about the salon, you know, and stuff that was going on there. So and I think he even drew out a diagram of the of the parking lot or something, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And so that's why they were really thought maybe he was he wasn't lying, but I think he later when he recanted later said he was just trying to get better food and if it, I'll give you some information if you help me out kind of thing. Take me out and get me a cheeseburger and a chocolate shake. Right, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they do that a lot. Yeah. So I guess if you figure you're already, you know, you, you're already in there and they got you. Well, you ain't got nothing to lose to add a few, kind of like Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's another serial killer. His name was Gary Michael Hilton. And he's also been considered a possible suspect in Patrice's case. He kidnapped and murdered another woman by the name of Meredith Emerson. Her dog and some of her belongings were later found in coming, and he was also known to have been in uh, Forsyth County where Patrice vanished. And he also told investigators that hair salons was one of his favorite places that he liked to go. Hmm. And that he likes to go to salons around lunchtime and ask for money. So this fits in right the timeline of when Patrice disappeared. Right, and, and both of these guys could have, uh, I guess, picked up details from the news or whatever and add them to their story to make it sound better, but... Well, they could have picked it up from other inmates or... Wherever, but yeah, go ahead. Yep, and he is also considered a suspect in the murder of uh, Judith Smith. Now, the latest on Patrice's case is from 2019, and Special Agent Kimberly Williams, she told the Forsyth County News that... Uh, Patrice's murder remains an active and important case within the Georgia Bureau of Investigation Cleveland office. And in the Netflix episode that we mentioned, Special Agent Mitchell Posey, he explained the aspects of Patrice's investigation refused to discuss because, you know, the like we said, the guilty knowledge information. Right. And he also said, we can't afford to have a false confession. We definitely want to give some form of closure to this family. Right. He's already had a couple, you know. Yep. And they also say if anyone has any information, they can contact the Georgia Bureau of Investigation on its website or information about the case or even Patrice's ring. You can call their tip line at 1-800-597-8477. So let's talk a little bit about Pistol. All right. He's obviously devastated by his mom. Yeah, it's awful, man. And you can't find anything much about Pistol, where he's at today or anything like that. I've read that he still lives in Georgia and he works as a... Uh, installing insulation hmm. in places. But so he would be pushing 30 now? Yeah. Somewhere in there? Yeah. And he's like, basically, he's he's like, well, you know, I never got to grow up like a normal kid and leave leave house, leave home when I wanted to and always could go back and see mom and get advice and this kind of everything. I just had to grow up super fast when I was just turned 16 and yep. kicked out of the house and, mm-hmm. and didn't get to get anything from his mom, man. 
No, he didn't get nothing. They were all so close, and he don't get anything. Yeah. Not even a picture. Yeah. I just, I just don't understand because Rob is already remarried and uh, well, we'll say moved on because I guess he really hadn't, but he's re, he's remarried. Yeah. But he still won't give up none of that stuff to Pistol, who I think deserves it. He he deserves he deserves his mom's remains. Yeah. Why why keep him in the closet? Because he's a he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, you watch this episode, you'll see Rob. Yeah. And don't even blink an eye when he says he didn't like Pistol. Mm-mm. It just... Said he won't ever share them, especially with Pistol. Mm-hmm. What's, what the hell, dude? Yep. The only thing I can think of is when, you know, the day Rob changed the locks on the house and Pistol couldn't get in. I wonder if he had Patrice in the house at that time and didn't want anybody in. Well, I guess he could have, but don't you think it would check there? Yeah, you'd think i mean there's nothing could they have had a warrant and to, to check it i mean I, i've never heard anything of them having a warrant and going into checking the house i mean surely they would have went there and checked anyway mm-hmm. if she's missing you're gonna go check your house right yeah so i mean i don't know maybe he brought her later if you think i don't know could be maybe he's got the ring too yeah i mean he's pretty possessive of her oh yeah it's seems kind like of it. like a you know back to that divorce thing if i can't have her nobody can she's mine and i'm keeping her yeah in a box in a closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, strange case. It is a very strange case. But if you have a chance, go watch the Unsolved Mysteries reboot on Netflix. It's season one, episode number two, yep. titled 13 Minutes. 13 Minutes. It's pretty good. Pretty good episode. All right, Dale. That is the story of Patrice Endress. Pretty sad, man. She yep. was a very pretty lady. Yep, and I wish some closure would come to Pistol and help him, you know, find out who murdered his mom. Yeah, definitely. Old boy could use some good news. Yep. All right, Dale, we're going to get out of here. All right, man. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.